0: All right, 866-391-1020. That's how you can get a hold of the man that is the host with the most. This is the Organic Gardener, But if you are the 10th caller right now at 412-922-1020, guess what? You're going to get a $25 gift certificate to Sorgles. So without further ado, here he is, always talking gardening every Sunday morning in this time slot, Doug Oster. Good morning, Doug.
1: Good morning. Favorite Bob Barker
0: moment? Man, so many of them. I, I don't even know where to begin. I, I
1: go to Truth or Consequences. Really? Most people won't know that show, but I loved Truth or Consequences. It was an evening show. You Back then, you only had three channels. You'd sit there with your parents, and when they would reunite those uh, servicemen with their wives or family, uh, that was just, to me, that was my introduction to Bob Barker, and always loved the guy can't go wrong with the Happy Gilmore moment. That's, that, my yeah. right That's my favorite, right there. I watched favorite. it. I watched it this morning. You're gonna get it, old man. You're gonna get it, old
0: man. He was great. You know, he was a, uh, f- uh, I think a black belt yeah. in karate. I mean, an animal activist. I mean, the guy was multifaceted. You know, yeah, incredible.
1: You gotta love Bob Barker.
0: Yeah, man. 99 years young. Had a great run. No doubt about it, man.
1: All right, let's talk gardening. Bulb planting begins now, and you know me and my bulb planting. I'm gonna try and convince you to plant some bulbs. Let's talk about some small bulbs that are easy to plant. So when you plant bulbs, they only have to be three times as deep as the bulb itself. In the case of a tulip or a daffodil or something like that, it's pretty deep. But think of something called snowdrops. Oh, man, little itty-bitty bulb. All you got to do is barely get it underneath the ground. Put it in now. And maybe as early as January 15th, you'll have little white flowers around the house. Could be February 15th, could be March 15th, depending on how the winter ends. Deer will not touch these bulbs. And so snowdrops is one of them. And, you know, I, I have uh, just one of my obsessions is bulb planting. The other, another one of my obsessions is snowdrops. And there were these two guys um, that used to always come and see me speak when I was in the North, uh, Len and Al. And they were both members of the uh, Rock Garden Society here in um, Allegheny County. And they knew gardening more. I mean, they they were just the most expert gardeners, and I held them in high esteem. And when they, when they would come, I would just always say, why do you guys keep coming? It's the same old jokes. And they said, "Nah, Doug, we get we learn something every time." And I was speaking at Sorgles, and I was talking again about my love of snowdrops and showing pictures of different types of snowdrops. And Len told me that uh, he had this one called wasp, uh, which you know he thought was kind of hard to find, and that he was going to get me some. And I said, "Oh, thanks, Len. That'd be cool." And so when the time was right, he went to his garden. He dug up these bulbs. He sent me a little box of them, and I was just so excited, and I had to find the very perfect spot for them. So I put them right in the front of the uh, vegetable garden where I knew I would see them. You know, as soon as they sprouted, I would see them when I walk in there. It's actually in this flower bed. It's a bed I bought at Construction Junction that I just stuck it on top of like a normal planting bed, and it's right in the corner. Well, uh within 6 months, Alan Len passed away. And I'm so glad I put those snowdrops in because every time they bloom, I think of Len. And only I know that they're for Len. <laughs> and I guess that's just one of the, I don't know, cool things about gardening is that you you've got these little memories no one'll ever know. You know that uh that that little white flower is is for for Len and no one else is gonna care, but as long as I'm around every spring when that snowdrop blooms that's 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 my memory of Len. so that's an easy thing to plant it makes a nice colony, the deer won't touch it. another one is called winter aconite has the early blooms these amazing uh yellow flowers just does its thing on its own. The other one's called Glory of the Snow. Blooms after the crocus. Again, you put 25 bulbs in, eventually you're going to have a 1,000. And they're not around long. That's the thing about most of these bulbs. They're what we call uh, ephemeral. And people often ask me, especially new gardeners, why do I want something that's only going to be there for three or four weeks? That's the point, is that we wait all year to see these Little magical flowers that are that are that are so beautiful, but only there for a short time. That is the, the the fun of it. And most of the bulbs that we plant will be around forever. I you know I'm sure I told this story, but I was yeah I did a couple of weeks ago I was at Lake Arthur and pulled over. I saw some cardinal flowers there, and I looked in the woods, and there was a, a Turk's cap lily blooming. That was, and I was walking up to it and crushing like slate as I walked to it. That was someone's roof. That was someone's house. I see daffodils around Lake Arthur. That was someone's farm or house. They'll be around, well, well, <laughs> much later than we will be. And I've got some uh, a cool guest coming up in, in the upcoming weeks that's going to offer a $100 gift certificate for some bulbs, so don't miss that show. All right, let me go through all the other stuff I want to talk about real quick, and then we'll, we'll get back. We'll get to callers. This week's video in Doug's Garden uh, by Davy Tree is all about planting your fall, cool weather crops, peas especially. Still, you can get some peas and pea seeds in. You should. Uh, Along with I'm showing off some great low-maintenance plants. Um, I'm showing how to deal with blossom end rot on tomatoes and uh, tomatoes that are losing their foliage. Rob Kruljack from Davy Tree saves the day again by identifying this green stuff that was growing on a, a tree bark of mine. You can see that video at dougoster.com. I'd appreciate it if you take a look. Tomorrow morning, I will be on Pittsburgh Today Live showing how to plant bulbs, and we're going to fill a nice container with tasty and beautiful cool weather vegetables. That's going to be the thing, kind of ornamental look. And then, let's see, I think I have enough time to get through this uh, before we break, but more bulb stuff Um Joe Ham's Daffodil Garden, which I talk about often. It's the place you can go down in Washington in the spring. It's for free. It's the greatest collection of blooming daffodils. They are having their annual rare and unique bulb sale, and it's it's already started. That's up at my website, also at Dougoster.com. And man, I love to shop this way. This is old school, and I enjoy every minute of it. So you get a list of bulbs. It tells you, you know, the name. The year it was released and what division it is. There's 13 different divisions of Daffodils. So then you got to go to another site called Daffseek. And you 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 type in the name and it pops up the picture and tells you about it. And I just wanted I, I was poking around yesterday and there were three cool things I just wanted to. If you want to grow something different, it's some, something you'll never find anywhere else. This is so fun. So one of the varieties I I and there's Got to be at least 100 different varieties available this year. And every year it's something different. So the first one I pulled out just randomly was called Firebrand from 1897. And uh, in that daft seek, it has a lot of information. It had a a quote from a catalog. This catalog was called Cart and Goodwind from 1914. The, the, The bulb was released in 1897. This is a catalog in 1914. And here's the description. Creamy white perianth, which is the the leaves, an intense fiery red cup. Division three small cup daffodils. That sounds pretty good to me. Creamy white with intense fiery red cup from eighteen ninety seven. I am gonna. I got two more I want to tell you about, and I am gonna butcher this name. Feud de Joy. It's F E U D E J O. I.E. If you speak French, tell, send me a message or call in and tell me how to say that. Feu de Joy, 1927. Listen to this long description. Perianth and other petaloid segments, segments opposite one another, more or less equal length, ovate, blunt, creamy white with margins recurved and wavy or twist-separated the outer world spreading the inner world more or less or strongly inflexed, (laughs) corona segments short, interspersed, pale orange with dark tone at rim, frilled and whorel at center continuous. That's a division four. It's a double. Doubles are my favorite. And real quick, Rob, I'll I'll get this last one in. Okay. Orange Phoenix from 1731, often called eggs and bacon, and... Robust and free-flowering, large double flowers are composed of white pe- petals with orange-colored center. 1731. Th- this is the kind of stuff that Joe's growing that you'll be able to see in April, and I'll, I'll remind you. But you could you could plant yourself, and this, all the proceeds for these bulbs go to helping the garden, keep the garden going. So all that stuff's up at DougOster.com, and when we come back— I'd love to talk to you. All
0: right, 866 391 1020. Doug coming back to take your calls as the Organic Gardener Show continues on KDKA in just a matter of minutes. All right, let's say hi to um, Elizabeth and Castle Shannon up first for Doug on the Organic Gardener. Hi, Elizabeth. Good morning, fellas. Hey, Doug, uh, am I
2: correct in assuming that these uh, spotted lantern flies lay eggs? On plants. Yes. Okay, now, what if they lay eggs on my indoor house plants that are currently outside for the summer and that I'm going to bring back in soon? Am I going to be hauling these eggs inside?
1: Yes, but here's the thing. They're only going to lay eggs on, on something that they, when they hatch out, that they can eat. That's that's how it works. They're, they're they're looking for a host plant. The number one host plant that we're seeing right now is called uh, tree of heaven. And so, they what they want to do is they want to lay those eggs on a, on a, on some plant that when the babies hatch, they have instant food. And so, that's probably not going to be your house plants. And the eggs are going to be very easy to see on if it did happen to be in a house plant. Before you bring those house plants in with this concern, take a close look. Go online, look at what these eggs look like. But it's more so they like to put them into uh, like bark on a tree because it kind of it uh, it's camouflage. And so being on a greenhouse plant is not going to be a good spot to have these eggs because it's going to you know predators are going to be able to see that. So they're they're we see them more on on the 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 bark of trees kind of it's kind of like a, a, a like a kind of looks like a wasp nest that's the color that kind of muddy dark and it you just look look online and see what those eggs look like i don't think they're going to i don't think they're going to do that on your house plants
2: okay i do see them landing on my basil and my thyme so i bring a lot of basil inside so, <laughs> just I think I like that a lot.
1: I know, but I I just that would be a hard thing if you when you you'll understand what I mean when you look at, at what those eggs look like. It's going to be very difficult. That's a plant that's going to be very difficult for them to put the the way that they do it on on a, a basil. Do you think they're feeding on your basil?
2: Uh, no, they they don't get a chance. As soon as they land, I whack them off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good for Spends you. Spend a lot
2: of time smacking them around, believe me.
1: <laughs> Good for you. Just l- <laughs> l- learn what the eggs look like, and I, I think you just ins- inspect any plant that you're bringing in, and then you'll know for sure, okay?
3: I- I'll do that, Doug. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you. All right, let's say hi to Susan and
0: McCandless.
3: Susan, you're on KDK. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for talking with me this morning. I I have two different types of plants which I think might have the same thing going on. I have a very large, beautiful uh, climbing hydrangea uh, on one side of my house, and on the other side I have five Pieris japonicas. The Pieris japonicas have been in about 15 years. Both plants now uh, have yellowing of leaves, Mm -hmm. which eventually turn brown. doesn't seem like anything's eating them. Um, And on the climbing hydrangea, sometimes whole sections of green leaves will just start to wilt. And then eventually uh, they turn yellow and brown, and then they, you know they're dead. Uh, and and I don't think it's a lack of water.
1: No, it's it's probably not. It's probably uh it's probably an insect that's hard to see. And in this case, I would I would get a couple take a look at the leaves. Pull a couple of the leaves off that are, that are on their way out. I'm trying to look at the name of the the pest because I've got the same problem happening. Uh, and, and it's, uh, oh, it's some kind of, uh, I'll come up with it, but actually a uh, guy from Davy tree came to look at the, at the Pieris because I, again, I've got one that's been there forever and same exact thing is happening. Uh, and so there's a little insect and I can't find the name of it and you'll see it on the on the, it might be a lace bug. It's it, you'll see it if you look very closely, even on maybe under uh, a magnifying glass. If you look at that uh, that uh, leaf, you'll see it, and it's very easy to take care to take care of. That's what's great about this. Uh, ah. it, you you spray the entire shrub underneath with horticulture oil, and I've been doing it. Once a week, and it's made a big difference. This this plants these plants will come back. Now that I'm talking about the Japanese pieris, the climbing hydrangea, I would want to do the same thing. Look very closely at the leaves and see if you can find that it's just a little itty bitty bug. You might consider having Davy come out and take a look at it because they would do that for free. Um, yeah, I I've done that. You know, for lots of people have recommended that. And like I said, the Davy guy came out to my place. I was in a panic, and he found it right away. I wish I does had Davy. Does I, Davey ever
3: come out and spray things like that? Oh yeah, that? yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But for, first, they come out for free. They take a look at right. the they take a look at the shrubs and the climbing hydrangea, and then they uh, uh, then they'll they'll tell you what it's going to cost you to treat it. Let me give you the number, okay? Yeah, I do work with uh, Eric. Oh, Eric Countryman. Yeah, call Eric. Tell them what's going on, and they'll take care of you. And then during the break, I'll figure out the name of this bug. All right,
0: we'll take a short break. We'll come back. Lots more calls waiting for Doug next hour. It's the Coons Cooking Hour today. Frank and I paying tribute to his father, who lost his uh, battle with cancer last night uh, amongst family and friends. And, of course, he was 80 years of age. So we'll do that. Then it's Brother's Brother. And then coming up at 9, Buried Your Money and You. Then the Coons Market, Black and Gold Sunday show from 11 a.m. until 1. All today on KDKA. Good morning. All right, listen, before we get to Doug, he's got to get back and uh, finish some thoughts from our last caller, and then we're going to get to these very busy phone lines. Let's make the 10th caller a winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's in Clinton at 412-922-1020. Follow-up time with Doug.
1: Yeah, so for the uh, problem with the Pieris japonica, it is a type of lace bug. Uh, It's called Andromeda lace bug. Look that up. Look at what the damage looks like, and that's probably the problem on that plant all right, Rob. Let's see who's out there.
0: All right, let's say hi to John. John, you were on KDKA. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Doug. Um, boxwood blight. I have about um, six different boxwood plants in various locations in my around my home, front and back. All have some blight. Some to the point where I got to remove them. Uh, if I replace them with boxwood, I will have the same problem. That's a question.
1: Okay, wait, wait, let me stop let me stop before you get to your second question. Go ahead. First off, are you sure it's Boxwood Blight? Well There's I'm many not... there's a lot of stuff that is are bothering Boxwoods right now. I, I would okay. before I made any decision on removing a plant or deciding what direction we're gonna go with, one way or another I would figure out what's going on. You can send pieces of that plant to Penn State for free. Uh, and they'll take a look at it, and they'll tell you yes or no if it's boxwood blight. Again, you could have a guy from Davy Tree come take a look. He'll tell you what the problem is exactly. There's insect problems. There's coming out of winter were problems. Uh, there's other disease problems. So let's just think of that first. Now, second, your first question, there are a boxwood blight-resistant type boxwoods that are out now. And, oh. Yeah. Uh, this is something that's come about in the last three or four years, and uh, yeah, the one that I that I know of is called New Gen, N e w g e n, and I've seen it available around at local nurseries, and if they don't have it, they can get it for you. So there there are, and there are other varieties too that are boxwood blight, but. Let's first off be sure that we got boxwood blight. So go ahead. You okay. have other questions about your boxwood. Well, the,
0: the, the other question, I mean, um, you answered the second one already. That new gen sounds like an answer. If, in fact, so the box, take the, the uh, a section of boxwood that's damaged and send that to Penn State.
1: Yeah, it's called the Penn State. Well, listen, there's,
0: a, there's an, uh, an extension in Washington, PA, that I've been to. I could just take it in to them.
1: Yeah, call them first. Let them know what you're doing, and they might want you to send it directly to the lab because that's what they're going to have to do. Oh, uh, uh, Okay, gotcha. Okay. Well, very good. All Thanks right, good luck. Well, why don't you keep us posted? Let me know what's going on, okay? All uh,
0: right, let's go to Pete in Squirrel Hill. Hey, Pete, good morning. Welcome to KDKA.
4: Good morning. How are you? I've got some shrubs that are in front of my house, that have, the bob shrubs and through the cold weather last year, and some dog pee. Is there any chance to bring them back again?
1: Definitely. Um, this is going to be probably a two-year process. Let's be sure they have the water they need. You've got the rain you need, I assume.
4: I water them every day, just about.
1: You know. Okay, that might be a little too much. you got to be careful of that, too. You don't want to overwater. Okay. And then, uh, what? do you know what kind of shrubs they are? Those are on
4: shrubs, Evergreen's like They're
1: on Bob's. So a little... Uh, general granular organic fertilizer like a garden tone that couldn't hurt we're getting towards the end of the fertilization season so i would do that sooner rather than later throw that fertilizer on there as long as they have the water they need until the ground freezes that's all you can do let's see what they do when they come out of winter in the spring and we're thinking 90% Ninety percent of these plants are going to going to make it. They'll 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 do their thing. The watering is going to help with with the dog issue too.
4: Do I trim the uh, brownness off of it?
1: Yeah, dead wood is dead. Be sure that it's dead. When you bend it, if it bends, it's still alive. Or if you if you bend it and it cracks off, then it, then it's dead. So dead is dead. Uh, and yeah, you're probably best off to get the brown stuff off.
4: Okay, then it's good to put it on the base of it. The fertilizer.
1: Yeah, at the, right at the at the ground along what we call the drip line, just the edges of it. All
0: right, 866-391-1020. Janet, you're up next on KDKA. Hi Janet.
3: Hi, uh thanks for taking my call. I would like to know why my tomato plants are di- uh several of them are dying. They look br- they're all brown.
1: Well, there's lots of different reasons that we're getting wilt on tomato foliage. Uh, two things, uh, again, it's in this video that I just posted online at com. are early blight and septoria leaf spot. There is a, what can happen this time of the season is, is something called late blight, but we haven't seen it yet. It's when, if it turns black. Okay, if you see black, it's done. But- a lot of these other wilts that are happening with the tomatoes if there's tomatoes on the vine they'll be fine we're late in the season uh there's a just several different diseases that cause these wilts and i'd have to see a picture to know exactly which one but my guess would be the early blight septoria leaf spot where it starts at the bottom with brown and yellow and works its way up and as it gets goes further up it, you know as they get older they just get brown and they fall off it defoliates the plant doesn't kill it and the tomatoes will be fine at this point in the season you just kind of uh, remove infected foliage and you're just going to have kind of a long stem filled with nice red tomatoes
0: all right 866-391-1020 here's ernie in elizabeth Hi, hey, ernie go ahead
1: uh, good morning uh, my
4: question is i have a tricolored beech tree that's growing uh, a little bit too big, and I want to have it trimmed back. Is there a certain time of year that you, you do that?
1: So where are you going to trim it? Do you know? You're not going to top it, are you?
4: Uh, I had it t- topped probably about about eight, eight years ago. Oh. Uh, maybe that was the wrong thing to do. The fellow that topped it told me he was a horticulturist, the only one in the area I thought he knew what he was doing. That's why I'm calling you. To
1: yeah find out about how does it look up. How does it look to you does it did it grow back and look like a normal tricolored beach or does it look funny?
4: No, no, it looks like a normal tricolored beach.
1: If you're gonna have any pruning done, it has to be done what's called a certified arborist. mm mm-hmm. you know Davy is part of this show. We're always talking about Davy, but whoever you hire. It can't just be a guy who tells you he's a horticulturist. He has to be what's called an ISA certified arborist. They are bound under a code of ethics on how they prune, and, and they won't sell you on fear. And there are tons of certified arborists out there. Uh, you can find them everywhere. And so that's the most important thing. As far as timing on a, on a... Prune like that, usually coming out of the uh, late winter when it's in dormancy is usually the best time to prune. Is it something that needs to be done urgently now where the the tree is in the way or into the wires or something like that?
4: No, nothing that has to be done right now.
1: Let me find the uh, just the Davy number for you real quick and uh, hold on one second. Sorry for the delay here. Here we go. This is just one place to start so here's the phone number uh 855-982-8733 and start there if they'll come they'll come for free they'll take a look at the tree they'll see where the prunes should be ma- pruning should be made and that you know that is a beautiful tree you you owe it to the tree and you owe it to yourself to have a certified arborist do the work okay Okay, very
0: good. All right, Ernie, have a great day. Short break, we'll come back after sports and tell them what's on the other side.
1: The return of Mrs. Know-It-All, and wait you hear. Successes and failures in the garden. I can't wait to hear how her season has gone.
0: All right, we'll be back. Stay with us. Good morning. Her return is about to
1: happen. Welcome back, Mrs. Know-It-All. That's horticulturalist Denise Schreiber. I want to hear all about your season.
2: Yeah, well, first, before we even get to that, if you Google Penn State Disease Clinic,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it, you bring up the form uh, and send off samples. It'll tell you how they want the samples. If that gentleman takes them down to the Washington County Extension, nothing against them but they are not able to physically test the box with blight. So it would kind of be a wasted Yeah, that's what, I,
1: that's what I told him. Send it to Penn, Penn State or have you know have an expert look at it.
2: Yeah, they have a disease clinic, and they'll, uh, you know, give them all the information about it. So it's been one of those years. Besides the wacky weather that we've had, mm. uh, we had a family wedding, or I'm sorry, graduation come in May, which is normally when I plant my garden, and that's when we had the really great weather. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's going to be great. I can't do anything in the garden because I won't be here and then we came back to the 90 degree plus weather. Uh, I don't work in that weather and plants don't like that weather, especially when you're transplanting them.
1: Was that the no and, ra- was that the no rain period too? Of course it was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then I had some major back issues for almost 3 weeks. And I couldn't even stand up straight, much less do anything else. And so with some medication, I was able to stand up straight. Um, I was at Cultivate, the trade show. I did not get my tomatoes into the ground until the last week of June, Mm. uh, along with my beans, which are blessedly reproducing wonderfully. For some reason this year, My onions and my garlic are outstanding. My garlic, I could use as a club and kill somebody with it. That's how big my heads are. On the other hand, I've gotten one tomato out of my garden. (laughs) My brother actually had to give me tomatoes. Oh,
1: and you usually do so great on tomatoes. You usually have more tomatoes than you can use. You have a sauce-making day usually, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so this year, the sauce-making day is going to be, I'll be out getting tomatoes in another week or so.
0: Mm. We're getting,
2: getting them. And, you know, some think my herbs did okay. My peppers, I grow in containers. But unfortunately, one of those really strong winds during the storm knocked the container off my deck. And broke a bunch of the plants, and so you know they kind of like lean. I'm just like, you know, I don't have zucchini. I've gotten like three zucchini out of my plant planter. I don't know what's going on with that.
1: How are you? <laughs> you fe- know, how I- are you feeling about all this? That's because this is something that you and I have both been doing this for a long time. This this could you know, this could stop people from gardening.
2: Yeah, you know, I've talked to a bunch of friends who are master gardeners, longtime gardeners. Everybody's had a terrible year with one or more things in the garden. Um some things, you know, they grew that they were sorry, I'll tell you what I'm sorry I grew, strawberry plants. They have they are now the kudzu of my garden. <laughs> I am, I am ripping them out, giving them to the people. Uh, Our friend Ann Taleric came and took a huge Amazon box of them, (laughs) you know, so I think next year we'll be okay. We weren't prepared this year for this, this type of weather. So, you know, my plans next year are to, I don't care what it is in early May I'm planning then. And I think I'll be okay. Now, once I get everything out of the garden, I will be sending soil samples to Penn State. Uh, It's been a couple of years since I've sent a soil sample up. And I want to see what nutrients I may need in the garden or anything I need to change there. Even my flowers were like okay, except my lilies. My lilies looked wonderful. And then we had those horrible storms. And my lilies are typically six to seven foot tall. I grow uh, one called Silk Road, and they're spectacular, and it broke them. You know, so mm. next year when they grow, I'm going to tie them to the scent.
1: <laughs> I think part of it, too, is uh, as we get older, we sometimes lose these planting opportunities to things like back injuries or other maladies, <laughs> I know the a, a lot of gardeners like you and I have have had a tough season that way.
2: Yeah, I um, I'm at the point my hanging baskets look good. Uh, I am pretty much at the point that I'm ready to just rip out everything and be done for the season. Other than my beans, which are producing heavily. So I'm good. But I got to tell you, even on my beans, I had a conversation with Marjorie Doctory from Cornell and my beans have a virus called common bean mosaic virus. Uh. doesn't show up until the beans are growing and they're a pole bean and the leaves are kind of all crinkled and green. They're still green, but they're all crinkled and, It's actually came from the seed, not an and it can come from an insect. But mine came from the seed, and so next year I've got to grow a totally different pole bean that's resistant to
1: the virus. Before before I let you go, real quick, would you consider this third season of planting the lettuce and the arugula and all that stuff, or you're just done?
2: Uh huh. Well, I still have all of my All-America Selections trials in containers, so I want to focus on them. I'll grow lettuce, and I grow that in a container as well. I like to grow lettuce in containers and herbs in general because it keeps them cleaner rather than, you know, mud and dust and, you know, who has been running through the garden. i got a chipmunk problem right now. (sighs)
1: Sounds like a tough year. Thank you, Mrs. No-It-All. Can't wait to talk to you again. As always, I'm answering questions after the show at DougOster.com. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow.
0: David Ballerato coming up next with the news at 8. Then Frank and I dedicate the entire hour to the legacy of his father, Joe, who passed away last night amongst us in his home at the age of 80. That's all coming up in just a couple of moments with your Pratt Pack on a Sunday morning at KDKA Radio.